Hey guys, welcome to the jar. I'm so glad that you're here today. Uh, my name's Chris, and I'd like to begin this morning by simply asking this question um, right here. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? And so for some of you, maybe it's this, uh, Starbucks coffee, anybody? Little, yep, you don't even hardly move without that, do you, right? Okay, and how about this next one here? Vacation, does vacation make anybody happy? Look at that, yep. All right, here's the next one. Um, sporting events, anyone like sporting events? That make you happy? Okay, good, 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 good. And uh, here's the next one here. Uh, your kids or grandkids. If you're a grandparent, you should raise your hand right now, okay? Or you will lose your card um, because it is so important. Uh, that makes you happy. Okay, here's another one. Ladies, when you get your nails done, pedicure, manicure, right? And uh, guys, how about this one? Hey, how did that get on there? I don't know, but uh, I'm just told. I don't know. I'm heard, I've heard that it makes you happy. Um, if you do it right. Anyway, so let's go on. Uh, don't send emails, okay? Don't send emails. Um, uh, so, <laughs> hallelujah. All right. Now, the reality is, folks, there are many different things in our lives that make us happy. But the reality that I've noticed more and more in our culture is that there are many people and maybe you're sitting there today as well that, you know what, I'm not so happy. Or some of us might be sitting here and go, yeah, I was happy at one time. But, you know, more of the days have just been in such a way that I've forgotten kind of what it is that makes me happy. But the reality is if you look at anything on your television or on your phone or on your computer, there is tons of marketing that is done to get us to buy, to spend stuff, and to do whatever we can to make ourselves more happy. I mean, it's very easy to market and kind of give a sense of an experience of quick happiness. We all want that. But to have a lasting, ultimate, everyday happiness, regardless of the circumstances, it's much more difficult. So over the next six weeks, what we're going to be trying to do is how can we live with happiness Every single day that even when days aren't so happy, we can still have an, inter an internal joy that is connected with who and what we are about. And so I'd like to dive in this morning and this is your first fill in. You can do it in your program or you just downloaded the app or if you didn't, I'd encourage you to do that. And uh, you can put this. This is our big idea. Happiness is more about a who than a what. Happiness is more about a who than a what. Um, Dr. Seuss might say happiness is more about a who or two, that you, you need more than just a what to be happy. And we learn this very early on uh, when we're little kids, when we're playing in the backyard uh, or we're in our neighborhood or we're on a playground. The reality is that uh, as we look around at everyone, we don't care what they have. We just want to be with the who that is there. And in middle school, high school, same thing. You want to be around the right who's. You don't care about the what's. You want to be around the right who's. Now, for me, this came very early on in my life when uh, my parents 
would say, hey, we're going to let you go spend the night at some friend's house. And the friends that I enjoyed the most were not a group of people that had a lot of what. It was who they were. Now, uh, the reality is, is that their names are Mitch and Matt, and they were the Hansel boys. There were five boys in this house, and they actually lived out in the middle of nowhere in this old, run-down, dusty country house. And there was only one bathroom for five boys. And then you put a whole bunch of other people in there. No one was happy with that. And then the room that they would put us in was the family room that was small enough that if I laid down from the top of my hands to the bottom of my feet, you would touch the other side of the wall. Like, that's how little it was. And when you would pull up to their house, it looked like a junkyard. I mean, there were cars everywhere, but none of them were usable. And I remember my parents would drop me off. They're like, you really want to be here? And the whole reason I wanted to be there is because it wasn't about what they had. It was about what? About who? And you know that as well. And the who is always more important when it comes to our happiness than the what. Because you and I can spend tons of money and energy and effort on what, but we'll never be happy unless the who's in our life are connected. I mean, uh, just think about it. If happiness is a what, let's just say that you could get happiness by what it is. We would all go out and we'd spend the money to do that and we'd do whatever we could and we would never care how you treated us. I'd never care how you treated me because I could always go home and I would have that what that made me happy. But you know what I've learned with the problem with what's is this, that a happy what always leads to a happy what else. You ever notice that? A happy what always leads to a happy what else, happy what next. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, I grew up where the phone actually was in the wall, okay? That's how old I am. And uh, eventually, uh, my wife Jennifer and I, we went out, we saved our money for a long time, and we bought a flip phone. You remember flip phones? My dad still has one if you want to see it, okay? Some people never move on. But when I got my first, like, flip phone, I was so excited. I was so happy. I was just, you know, filled with energy and excitement. But then it got old, and so I had to get a new phone. And when I got the new phone, the issue was I wasn't any more happier. I was exactly at the same place of happiness when I got my very first phone. Folks, your happiness for every single phone that you've had, and I can tell some of you have had a lot of them, okay, that every single phone you have, your happiness is no higher than the very first time you got the new phone. Same with the car, same with your house, same with your job, same with whatever. See, if an aging what... Check this out. If, you, if you've fallen asleep, you've gone away, come back to me, okay? If an aging what deflates your happiness, 
then you weren't happy to begin with. If an aging watt deflates your happiness, you were not happy to begin with. You know what you were? You were just marketed to. That's what it was. Now, here's some evidence on that. I've had the opportunity and privilege to go on different mission trips to under-resourced countries. And I've been to the slums of India, uh, the poorest of poor in our world. I've been to uh, Mexico where uh, people were living in a garbage dump. That's where they were. I've been to camps in Kenya where everyone there had AIDS and they were all dying. And each time that I've gone to one of those and I've come back with the team and they debrief and we process what it is that we saw and what was going on, almost all the time people will come back and they will say this. They will say, how can they be so happy they don't have what? They don't have anything. How can they be so happy? And the reality is they don't have anything. Most of us, though, when we go to one of these trips, we can't wait to get back home to the watts. Because it drove us crazy because we didn't have all the watts around us. When I looked into the eyes, though, of these other people, whether it was a man, woman, or child, when I looked into their eyes and they were poverty-stricken or disease-stricken, there was joy I saw in their eyes, and there was happiness, and there was contentment, and there was a real sense of peace. Yet, they don't have what? Anything. They didn't have anything. And it reminds us, again, that happiness, folks, is about a who, not a what. Here's another piece of evidence. Uh, As a pastor, there are many times in which I'm with people as they're taking some of their last few breaths. And every single time I've been with someone when they're on their deathbed, this is what I've found to be true. That in the end, people always have relational regrets, but they never have possessional regrets. At the end of a person's life, they, they will constantly have relational regrets, but they never have possessional regrets. How do I know this? Ladies, uh, I hate to say this, but one day your day will come too. And uh, when your day comes, you will not be there and go, honey, could you please go get my shoes? I would just like to have one more day with my shoes. I mean, I just need my shoes. Bring the green ones, bring the blue ones, bring them all. But I want to have one last moment with all of my shoes. And guys, in the same way, on your last day here on earth, you're probably not going to go, hey, you know what? Could you put me in the wheelchair and take me out to my car? I need one last moment with my car. I mean, in the end, folks, this is the truth. People always have relational regrets. They never have possessional regrets. And it comes back to that whole concept that when we have peace, there's something about having happiness that is always relational with another person. Now, every once in a while, though, I'll find someone. There's probably someone here or uh, someone that you know. Um, I hate to say it, guys, but most of the time it's uh, typically men. And uh, they will come up to me and they'll say something like this. They'll say, I don't need anyone in order to be happy. Have you ever heard somebody say that before? I don't need anybody. I don't need anyone to be happy. 
So let me just say something real quick before we turn corners and we move on. People will come up and say, I don't need anyone to be happy. Well, there's kind of two types of groups uh, when this uh, phrase comes. Group number one, uh, for some of you, you have so many people in your life, you have never experienced life without people around you, friends, neighbors, family members, people who love you, people who accept you, people who encourage you. You are overwhelmed with acceptance and love from people in your life. You are so fortunate. It's so easy for you. It would kind of be like a person, you know, saying that, hey, uh, you know, I don't need any food. But the reality is you have tons of food. That's why you say it. Well, of course you don't need any food because you already have food. And this is the category I fall into. I have tons of friends. I have a great relationship with my family. I have wonderful church family who's here. So for me to ever say this statement, I don't need anyone in order to be happy would just be arrogant. Because Chris Bunch has never spent more than 30 seconds of his life without having relational options around me. So people with lots of relational options, it's easy to say, I don't need anyone in order to be happy because the reality is you have tons of people already around you. The second group is a group in which um, you, they kind of get fixed on isolation. And this group can't fix their isolation. And so they tell themselves, I'm fine. I'm fine to be by myself. I don't need anybody else to be happy. I'm fine. I'm a rock. I'm a one-man island. I don't need anyone to be happy. And if you're at that place, um, it's a dangerous place to be. In fact, if you're in this second group, I want to encourage you, keep coming back to the series because it will help you to understand that every single human being needs community. Because you and I were not designed, folks, we were not designed to live in isolation. We were not designed to stand alone. You and I were designed for community, for friendship, for companionship, for support. That's one of the reasons why we have small groups in this place. Because it's so important that what you understand, where you grow the most and where you get to know people the better, is in circles, not in rows. No matter how well I teach today, and some of you are like, well, I hope it gets better than what it is right now, okay? I understand. But no matter how well I teach this today, where you grow is in circles with a group of people. So the question becomes, what makes you happy? Well, for the rest of our time, whenever I ask this question, throughout the entire series, every time I say, What makes you happy? I want you to know that we do have an answer for that. What makes you happy? And the answer is what? No thing makes you happy. Let's all say it out loud together. No thing makes you happy. No thing, nothing, nothing makes you happy. No thing makes you happy. Now, even though there is no thing that can make you happy, There is something that you'll find that all happy people have. So think a moment just in your own mind. Who is the happiest person you personally know? 
whoever that is. And when you think about them, every time you're around them, you're like, they're happy. Like they're genuinely happy. He's happy. She's happy. They're happy. It's just like happy, happy, happy all the time. Maybe it's someone that you're related to and they drive you crazy. Because you're like, can you be that happy? Could you just have one bad day, you know? Be like the rest of us, right? Uh, maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend. But there's someone that when you look at them, you're just like, wow, they're like really, really happy. Now, here's what they have. And maybe you've never thought about it before, but this is what all happy people have. And it's this right here. Peace. What does every person you know who is ultimately happy have? They have peace. On the inside, they're fine. On the inside, they have a real sense of peace that they go through their day. And what are they at peace with? Well, first of all, they're at peace with, uh, if we go to the next one, happy people have peace with themselves. They're actually at peace with themselves. They may be rich. They may be poor. They may be divorced. They may be single. They may be married. They may be uh, people who have kids. They may be people who don't have kids. But when you're around them, they're always very comfortable in their own skin. And you're like, they're really happy. They don't try to pretend to be something that they're not. They're just genuinely who they are and the circumstances of their life, no matter how difficult they may be, they don't consume them. They're at peace with themselves. The second thing happy people have peace with is others. They're actually at peace with the other people around them. They're not angry with somebody. Even if they've been mistreated, they don't seem to ever be bitter or resentful. I mean, you go up to them and you hear what's happened in their life and they're like, how could you not be upset? You know, you're just like, what's the deal? Why aren't you bitter about this? They're like, well, I've done that before and it just didn't work. And so I just figured, you know what, I'm going to forgive people and I'm going to move on. You're like, oh, they really do. So happy people are at peace with themselves, they're at peace with others, and finally then, they're actually at peace with God. They believe that there's more in their life than just going through a work day. They actually believe that there is a divine sense of purpose in their life where they move and what they do. And they believe that everything in the end is going to be okay. They don't get too overwhelmed by the circumstances that are going around them. They have this kind of internal joy because they have a confidence in God that God is going to help them through whatever it takes. Now, uh, if you've drifted off, drift back, okay, so come back to me. If you've drifted off, kind of get refocused. And uh, this, uh, this teaching of these three things, an image came to me of, a three-legged table. And this three-legged table, I got a sense that each of the legs represented those pieces that we need to have peace in. 
peace with ourselves, peace with God, peace with others. And when that happens, when the table is stable, my life is secure, I'm good to go, and I actually have happiness. When those three are together, there is a real sense of happiness. Now, if all of this is true, and I believe it to be so, if all of this is true, this is what I know as well. We go to the next slide. Anything that undermines your peace ultimately undermines your happiness. If you don't have peace with God, if you don't have peace with other people, if you don't have peace with yourself, anything that undermines your peace, unfortunately, it's going to undermine your happiness as well. You know, every single one of us in this place today, if you were given a minute to think about it, I bet you can think of a situation in your life or a relationship in your life or maybe a season of your life when you made a decision that undermined your relationship with God, with someone else, or with yourself, and you have regret about it. And if you could go back to that night or that weekend, or that week, or that season of your life, you would want to have a redo. Because you have been carrying around a sense of regret because of that. And it just chipped away more and more. Because anything that undermines your peace, folks, undermines your happiness. Now, in my life, this is what I've found. When I'm at peace with God, with this vertical relationship, when I'm at peace with God, then I tend to be at peace with other people, and I tend to be at peace with myself. In fact, what is so kind of ironic, and you'll see it throughout our series, and it's in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, all the way through it, the whole teachings are about you to be at peace with other people around you. And the way that you have peace with other people around you is that you are at peace with God and you're at peace with yourself. One day a lawyer of the Jewish law came up to Jesus and uh, he wanted to kind of trick him with a question. And so he comes to him and he says, hey, uh, you know, uh, like what is God's most favorite law? Like, what is his favorite law? And if you're a lawyer, you want to know this because you talk about laws all the time. You want to know which one is God's favorite. So the lawyer kind of comes up to him and he asks this question. And he says, Jesus, I'm asking this question because, you know, uh, the reality is us Jewish people have a lot of laws. We have 613 of them to be exact. And I just want to know which one do you think is God's favorite? Which one is the greatest? Which one is the most important? So here is Jesus. He claims to be the son of God. And the uh, lawyer comes to him and says, Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, when he asks this question, he thinks, huh, most important, which one is the most important. 
Now, before I go any further, I uh, just want to take that for just a moment. And have you ever thought about this before? Have you ever thought that laws equate happiness? Have you ever thought that before? I mean, most of the time, I don't know about you, but when I think of laws, I think of something taking away my happiness, right? So uh, about a month ago, I was going to a uh, wedding rehearsal in Kokomo, and I was running just a little bit behind. And as I was driving my car, all of a sudden, there was these lights behind me. And I was fine for them to go right on ahead of me. It was no problem. But they wanted me to stop. And so I stopped and I thought, okay, you know, I was speeding, but I really am going for a good purpose. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to tell the truth and I'm going to pull out my, uh, you know, my binder that has all of the wedding in it. And I said, hey, do you know what he asked, do you know what you were doing? I said, yeah, I, I broke the law. I'm sorry. I said, you know, I'm trying to get to Kokomo. I'm a pastor and I'm marrying uh, this bride and groom you can see right here. It's Olivia and Noah. You can see in my script, you know, that it's here. And he goes, well, you better tell Olivia and Noah you're going to be late. <laughs> I did not have any happiness at that time. And then when I figured out how much I had to pay, I had less happiness. And the truth is, for all of you, every time that you see law, you think, you know what, this is taking away some of my happiness. I mean, Jesus, when he was asked about the law, maybe he should have said something like this. You better do this. You better do that. You better do the other thing. Or maybe it should have been, you know, what the greatest commandment is, is something to do with money or it's something to do with greed or sex or power or generosity or compassion. Maybe don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. I mean, surely it was something like that. So, Jesus, what is it? Like, what is the greatest commandment? What is the most important thing? What is it? And listen to what Jesus says. He says this, love. Love? You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, Jesus, come back, come back, come back. I don't know what you were doing. Maybe you fished for a long last night, but I'm talking about a law. Like, I'm talking about a commandment. Like, like, come back, let's think through this. I mean, like, give me something, Jesus. Like, thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do something. Like, something like that. Like, what is God's greatest commandment? And Jesus said, I heard the question, and it's love. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, again, Jesus, I'm not saying anything. I know you said you're the son of God and that kind of stuff, but it's a command. It's supposed to be a do or a don't. So kind of like, what is it? He's like, I'm telling you, I know what it is. It's love. And then Jesus said these words, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, you know what the problem with that command is? It's not very commanding, is it? I mean, it's just not commanding enough. It sounds more like relational. And that's what we're going to see Throughout this series. It's like Jesus said, let me tell you what is most important. You're a lawyer. You want to know what the answer is, he says. Well, let me tell you what's most important. Well, since God loves you, you ought to love God back. 
Like that's the greatest commandment. Since God loves you, all of you, no matter what, then you should love God back. That's the most important thing. And since God is wanting to have peace with each one of us, the most important commandment is actually about peace with God. And the lawyer's kind of like, wow, that, that's amazing. But as many of you know, Jesus didn't just stop with that response. He actually continued on to talk about two other components of what makes for happiness. He said these words, this is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. In other words, the second is just as important as the first. It's equal to it. It comes as a package deal. And the second is like it. And here are the two categories, he says. Love your neighbor as what? Yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus and somehow you just got here, someone invited you, or you know you don't really go to church, you're not so sure about the church thing, or maybe you've been gone for a little while and then you've uh, you know, come back or, you know, whatever your circumstance is, I want you to know that this right here is like a huge thing. It's like Jesus was blowing up. It was gigantic because when he's asked Jesus, what is the most important thing? He says, love God, which means make peace with God. He says, love others, make peace with others. He says, love yourself, make peace with yourself. So Jesus, when you're saying this, that kind of sounds like you want us to be happy. Like you genuinely want us to walk through our day and to be happy with God, happy with other people, and happy with ourselves. And Jesus is like, yep, you got it. Absolutely. That's it. You see, folks, honestly, God created you for a capacity to have happiness. And the problem is some of you have not reached your capacity. And do you know why? Because you're either not at peace with God, not at peace with other people, or you're not at peace with yourself. You know, uh, throughout most of my high school, and especially in college, when I would think about God... I often would think this thought, God is in the way of my happiness. I mean, I used to think, well, I want to go out and party and do everything. And, you know, this God thing is just like in the way of my happiness. And I had been raised as a PK, and this is what I thought it meant, that you can either be a really good religious person or you can be happy. You can be a Christian or you can be happy. And I went through so much of those formative years in high school and college thinking that God is in the way of my happiness. I mean, for many of us. That's the way that we grew up. We just grew up thinking to ourselves, well, you know, the problem with God is he's in the way of my happiness. That's why some of us 
you know, choose not to have much of a relationship with him or we walked away or we avoided him or, you know, the whole church thing. Well, I don't know. You know, it's too much God because we have this feeling that God is in the way of my happiness. But this is what the reality is, folks. We go to the next one. God is not in the way of your happiness. God actually provides the way to happiness. God's not here to stand in your way. He's not trying to be a roadblock. He's not trying to be in the way of your happiness. God actually provides you a way to happiness. In fact, I would guess that if we had each individual person, we're not going to do this, but if we had each individual person come up here and stand on this stage and you shared your greatest regret, whatever your greatest regret of your life is, the one that you wish you could go back and undo, I have a feeling that 99% of every single person in here, maybe 100% of all of us, when you got to finishing the explanation of your regret, part of what your greatest regret is, is that you broke peace with either God, yourself, or somebody else. That you abandoned your peace with yourself, or with someone else, or with God. And by messing up that peace, you went into a season of unhappiness. It makes you unhappy. And Jesus invites us today. And he says, hey, you don't have to keep going down that road. You don't have to live that way. You can make peace with God. You can make peace with others. You can make peace with yourself. Because at the end of the day, folks, happiness is about a who not a what. So this is how I'd like to close us today. We've learned that happiness flows out, that I am most happy when I have peace with God, peace with others, and peace with myself. Now, here's my question. When it comes to you and where you're at today, Are any of the legs of your happiness wobbly? Is any of them maybe even broken? I mean, when we look at this graphic, when it uh, comes to us, if we bring the graphic back up, your happiness, are any of these legs a little wobbly, a little bit broken? Maybe for some of you, it's the leg of yourself. It's just kind of wobbly. You look in the mirror, and every time you look in the mirror, you see the flaws, you see the shortcomings, you see the mistakes, and you tell yourself, maybe not out loud, but in your mind, I can't stand what I'm looking at. You feel anxious and overwhelmed most of the time when you walk through your day. You don't experience much peace. Your current circumstances that you're going through right now are consuming you to the max and you're anxious and often kind of depressed because you're trying to cover everything up to let everybody else say that, you know what, actually I am happy, but the reality is your leg of having peace with yourself is wobbly 
or it's broken. The truth is, there's something turning inside of you. So when it comes to peace in your life, that particular leg just doesn't seem to work anymore. And we know that happiness is more about a who than a what. And the reality is the who is you. Now, for others of us, maybe it's not peace with ourselves. Maybe it's peace with others. This often is the one. Uh, Maybe it's wobbly. Maybe it's broken. Some sense of having peace with everyone in your life. Now, it may not be multiple people. You're like, hey, I've worked at some things. But, man, there is one person. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's a son, a daughter, a spouse. But you've been carrying bitterness and anger towards them. And you don't have peace. It's wobbly. It's broken. Maybe it's not even with a family member. Maybe it's an ex-spouse. Or it's an ex-boss or an ex-friend. But every time you think of this person, it just drives you crazy inside. And you get this feeling of, I want to get revenge. I want to pay them back. I want to make sure they get even. So when it comes to you and where in your life it may be a little bit wobbly, it might be that leg. It might be broken of peace with others. And then finally, for some of you, it might be the leg that's at peace with God. A lot of people come to church all the time. I've done it for seasons of my life before, and and I wasn't necessarily at peace with God. I was just sitting in church. And maybe you're here today and it's wobbly, it's kind of broken. And the reason is, is because you look back on your past and maybe someone in your life was taken away from you. They died and you blamed God. Or there's a relationship that's crumbled and you blame God. There's some person who hurts you and you blame him. You've kind of had this thought in the back of your mind, you know, God let me down. He's not really caring for me. I'm not good enough even to have him be a part of me. I've messed up so much in my past. There's no way he wants to have peace with me. And the reality is, is that the God of the universe longs to have peace with you. So when it comes to peace in your life, which of these three legs, and maybe there's more than one, but which of those three, the one that you would say, you know what? Yep. That one right there. There's not peace. And this is what I've kind of learned. That when I'm at peace with God, when I'm at peace with other people, when I'm at peace with myself, there's a real sense of happiness. And I'm filled with happiness for that. But any time one of those three get wobbly or it gets broken, you see what happens. You have no happiness. So my question for you today is which of those three legs in your life is a little wobbly? It's a little bit broken. And maybe you could ask God today to show me that and bring healing So I'm going to give you a moment right now just to be quiet between you and God. We'll turn down the lights and maybe 
you could just have a moment where you could say, and if you're not sure who God is, just maybe in your conscience you could say, hey, which of these three is broken in my life or wobbly right now? Let's take a moment, then I'll close us. Which one is it for you? God, there are some people that are here this morning who are struggling to have peace with themselves. They're anxious. They're overwhelmed. They have trouble sleeping at night. There's a sense of stress. They have no peace. They walk through most of their days, work days, and otherwise just trying to fake it on the outside, that they're happy and everything's okay, but on the inside, God, there's no peace. And so, God, I pray right now for anyone who's struggling with peace with themselves. I pray right now through the power and authority of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would send your healing and their peace, that they would know that you are with them, that you're for them, that you would help them through that battle God, there's another group of people who are sitting here who, where they struggle the most is that peace with other people. It might be a mom or a dad, a brother or a sister, a spouse, a child. Even when I just kind of mentioned those earlier, there was something within them that was like, oh, yeah, that's me. God, we know that when we're not at peace with the people that are around us, It's hard for us to be happy. And so I pray right now, God, that you would give courage to each person who has some kind of disagreement, some kind of resentful, bitter thought towards another person. God, would you give them courage to be the first one to forgive, to move on, to trust in you that you can do it. It doesn't mean that they have to trust the person. It just means that they have to let the person go and forgive and to move on. So God, I pray right now that you would do that in Jesus' name. And maybe you're sitting there right now and the reality is that you're not at peace with God. Truth be told, you have really kind of given up on that kind of thing. You do the church thing, or maybe you came because someone invited you, but the reality is you're like, I just don't know about that. And for others of you, maybe you're here, but you drifted away, and you kind of drifted back, and you're just wondering, you know, this is what I need. I think the reason my happiness has been such a struggle, God, is because I keep drifting, and God, would you help me to drift back to you? Maybe you sit and you look at your past and you're like, you know what? There's no way. I've blown it too much. I messed up too much. I'm not good enough to have peace with God. Well, if you're thinking that today, I want you to know it's wrong thinking. 
Because the truth is the God of the universe loved you so much that he stretched out his arms, went to a cross, died on it. His name was Jesus because of his love for you. So today, if you're ready to follow Christ for the first time, or you're ready to recommit and drift back into him, if you're ready to say, I need your forgiveness, I need your grace, I need your peace, then I invite you to repeat this prayer after me. And here at the jar, we never pray alone. We always pray in community. We do it with one another. And so as we pray, God, I just ask that you would move and these words would be the words of these people and that you would simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I want to be at peace with you. Make me brand new. Send me your happiness. I believe, Jesus, you died for me. And you rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.